It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 285, Jesus Raises the Son of the Widow of Nain. Psalm 30, for the dedication of the temple. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead and spare me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, for his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Yet I felt secure. I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. When you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing, and you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Praise my God, I will praise you forever. Jesus leaves Capernaum and visits a town south of Nazareth. The town is named Nain, spelling is simply N-A-I-N, which means beauty. It's a small town. You can visit it today. It's actually today called N-A-I-M, pronounced name, as you would in English. Uh, But in Arabic, it's a whole different name, or Hebrew, it's a whole different pronunciation. You'll see the significance of this name, though, in a bit. It's got maybe 1,500 people in it. It's predominantly Muslim, and it's a small town. No major industry or transportation linking it. It's off the beaten path. It's far from most things and out of the way. It's seven kilometers southwest of Mount Tabor, up a steep road. Uh, The village looks out on the plain of Jezreel, you know, that future Armageddon location. But despite its location, it has history. Bible scholars like to point out other events in this history, in its history. Um, Eusebius, church historian, pointed out it's not far from Endor, the place where Saul called upon the dead Samuel to speak to him. Also, it's generally close to the place where the Shunammite's son was raised in 2 Kings 4. Remember, call the Shunammite. So let's just say there's a lot in the Bible about this general location related to death and resurrection power. And I wonder if those predominantly Muslims in this town of name know this. Well, if not, they should. Here's the account. Luke 7, 11. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was carried out. 
He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. And with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her, and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the beer, or the, or the buyer, or I don't know if I can say the word right, uh, but it's basically the, um, the casket that they're walking through town. And the, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, The great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. Whew. I mean, Jesus just ruined a funeral. He's the worst guy to bring to a funeral. He ends up ceasing the mourning instantly. Imagine the widow. She must have been just floored. I mean... Isn't Jesus amazing? And he cares for this woman who had lost her husband previously and now her son. She's bound to be destitute, penniless in this society, but God in his mercy raised her son. There is three dead raisings in the Old Testament, and there's three dead raisings in the New Testament. The most common approach is is basically the, the command that says, get up. When we get to Lazarus, Some like to suggest that Jesus says, Lazarus, get up. Or if he wouldn't have said Lazarus, everyone in their graves would have been raised. Um, Other versions of resurrections have the miracle worker laying on the victim, praying for them, breathing their breath into them. Most commonly, resurrections occur as a private miracle, except Jesus chooses to do it publicly twice. In this case, it's extremely public and it makes a statement, and Jesus is lauded as a prophet. At the city gate, the most public place in the city, a place of judgment and public communication, Jesus raises this widow's son to life. This reminds me of the dead church in Revelation 3 of Sardis. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white, and I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. I find it super interesting, the the reference in these verses, the book of life, the white clothes, the dead church. Here is a nameless widow and her dead son, probably wrapped in white cloths, being led to the graves and tombs outside the city. Now Jesus shows to raise this boy and acknowledge his name before his father and his angels with this mighty miracle. Sardis in Greek means powerful prince. This nameless boy was a prince in the eyes of King Jesus, and his mother needed him. There's this crazy story um, uh, of a resurrection that happened kind of in modern day. It was in it was in Africa, and uh, I remember, I don't even remember a lot of the details except for how it happened because it just floored me. It was such a lesson. 
It was this, this man dies and this woman prays for her husband and it's not much. She just commands him to come back to life because I need you. <laughs> she had like 12 kids or something and, and I need you. And the prayer was basically, you must come back to life. I need you. <laughs> and it was such a, a commanding authority that she had. Um, you know, that's what many people point to that she, she commanded him to come back to life because he, she needed him to care for the family. His purpose was not fulfilled. Um, and God in his mercy, um, helped her raise her, her husband back to life. Um, but just like the church of Sardis, Jesus commanded him to wake up, wake up church. Jesus has come to you. You are sons and daughters of God, and you are called to wake up and stir up the gift of God inside of you. If we conclude this episode, the symbolism is just amazing, amazing in this episode. I find this dead raising even more significant the more you get into it for a number of reasons. It speaks to me because it was so public. It was so alarmingly supernatural, yet the widow and her fatherless son had no name. Why? We can at least give me a name, right? Or, you know, the city has a name. It's name, you know? We don't even know what they look like. You know, it's the the resurrection of a nameless person in the city of name. It's, it's just a, almost like a riddle. Could it be this is a picture of something even greater? There's something so significant about this nameless and faceless people here. Just imagine this son, small town son, who was raised would have had incredible destiny over his life after this moment. And it, who knows how it went exactly, but imagine how everyone in Nain should have been should have believed in Jesus after this. This son must have had an incredibly blessed day all of his life. Just just to see him and just to hear him, people would have been marveled. Oh goodness. Especially in this small town, that's the man. That's that's the one who was raised from the dead. The living testimony of God's resurrection power. But we know nothing of him after this story. But we have to know he lived a legendary life. A walking testimony of God's resurrection life. We just watched 90 Minutes in Heaven. Uh, This boy from Nain would have been like this. A walking, powerful testimony of God's glory. Now, I remember an old note I had in uh, a Bible. I was kind of... you know, since we started the podcast, I've gone through multiple Bibles, um, and I go back and look at different ones and different notes I've made, and, and I remember this account specifically. And and this is my take um, after looking through kind of an old Bible, and, and there was something about this uh, uh, nameless, nameless resurrection. And this is my take. My, this is my account, so... You know, bear with me if it's if you think it's different, whatever. But it speaks to an in time movement by God, a nameless, faceless, fatherless generation, just like this scene. Check it out. Joel two starts. I don't know what to make of it exactly, but it says all people. Joel two twenty eight. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days. Perhaps he will pour out his spirit on all people. And only those who believe can receive it and keep God's presence in this global outpouring that's coming. 
And I see how this miracle can represent how God resurrects and touches all. How he plans to pour out his spirit on the nameless, faceless, and fatherless generation. I mean, it's very clear we're the most fatherless generation in generations. The statistics show that people lack fathers like they used to. A generation of pastors, priests with no name. A generation of nobodies who will change the world. Moved by the Spirit, a generation of fatherless orphans adopted by their Heavenly Father. And could it be the next great move of God is like this? And perhaps we'll finally understand what it truly means when Romans 8 speaks to the manifested awakening of the sons of God to be revealed. And I end this podcast, um, I guess with a prayer. Lord, I pray you raise from the dead this generation that seems so dead to the things of God. Awaken this entire nation, the entire world to live for you. Awaken the world to the things of God. Awake, arise to the fullness of your calling. Lord, raise up your army of believers to shape the world and speak of the coming King. Like prophets of the coming of the great king, heralds forecasting the end of the ages and the great harvest to come. Wherever this podcast is heard or downloaded, let it go into the atmosphere. A word to arise, awaken to the fullness of your destiny. May our hearts be in alignment to receive all that God has. May we see, hear, and experience the fullness of your spirit in the outpouring. Lord, take the fatherless, the faceless, the anonymous, the unpopular, the unknown, and poor of this generation, and wake them up. Turn back the darkness and speak to the power and glory of the coming King. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Check out the website, messagetokings.com. Or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.